Hallelujah. Nay, in all these things, we've been made more than conquerors through him who loved us. Greater, greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. Look to the person next to you and say, he is greater. He is more powerful. In the everything skit today, we see the struggles of humanity. We see the struggles of our life here on this side of the kingdom. But I want you to know, church, that in the scriptures, it says in John 14, you don't have to be troubled. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Because you see, in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. Then if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you will be also. And yet, even in this depiction, the young woman was much like Thomas. For she said, how do I know the way? Thomas even, back 2,000 years ago, said, how do we know the way, Jesus? For here's what he said. For I am. I am. Let's say this together. I am the way. The truth and the breath of life. Stop for a minute and think about that. Think about Jesus becoming the very breath that we breathe. So this morning, you're facing some struggles. You're facing some hardships. You're going through some issues in your life. Unless I'm the only one. That is facing some very difficult time. Moments of your life. What giant are you facing? The giants we face today may be unemployment. The giant you might be facing today might be abandonment. Maybe the giant that you're facing today might be sexual abuse or even depression. Maybe the giant that you're facing today might just be bills. If you're a student, it might be grades. Maybe you've given over to the the lust of your flesh and the pride of life. And maybe the giant in your life is whiskey. And I said to God even this morning, why do I have to say the word whiskey instead of alcohol or beer? He goes, because I believe that it's for somebody in that sanctuary. So maybe your giant may not seem as big to you, but in reality, it's a huge giant we face. Maybe your giant is pornography. Maybe you've been given into the lust of your flesh, again, to the pride of your life, and what you see is distracting you from being who you could truly become through Jesus Christ. Maybe your giant is a mistake you made. Maybe your giant is a career that you have. Maybe the giant in your life is your future. The moments of uncertainty. How am I going to make it tomorrow? What is Thanksgiving going to look like? What is Christmas going to look like? How am I going to make it in the days ahead? Max Licato wrote the book, Facing Your Giants. And he points us to God. And he points us to God's answers for our real life giant struggles. Actually, the title is half 
of the battle. We must face the giant. No hiding, no running away, and no cowering in fear. And today, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 40 through 51. But I think we're going to back up to verse 1. It's a long text, but one of the greatest stories of all times. Of David and Goliath. And the obvious biblical starting point is the story of this boy. And the battle... With the giant. Now I want you to just pause for a minute. And I've been away and I've been praying for our church. But I want you to put everything on pause and I want everybody to look this way. And I want you to put yourself in a position where if you were in Israel. If you were in Jerusalem. If you were struggling in the physical battle Who would you cry out to? For many of you, it might be difficult for you to be able to understand the true physical battle of what God's children are going through right here, right now, today. We get the great pleasure of sitting in a sanctuary, of worshiping the Lord, of praising Him, of putting on a skit, of putting on nice clothes when others are running for their life. Struggling just for that intimacy to say, God, we want to see you real in our life. God showed himself real over and over and over to the nation of Israel. And yet they still questioned his authority. The nation of Israel still questioned. Many of them are still looking for the coming Messiah. Now, as we move forward in this message, here's where I want to make it relevant and personal to you. We're not there, but we're here. And our hearts break. I grieve for what they're going through. However, as we flip from the Old Testament into the New Testament, we start start to see the grace and mercy of our Savior Jesus Christ, who in His new covenant... The heart has now been changed from the old. Jim and I were talking about that this morning. We are so skewed by what our culture looks like, who Jesus is. I like what Jim said to me. He said, I think sometimes we look at Jesus as the Jesus of America. Isn't it true? The Jesus of what we go through. And yet he is the Jesus to everyone everywhere. So now, your marriage might be faltering. Your finances might be faltering. Your anxiety might be on an increase. You might be facing a level of fear and a level of uncertainty in a way that you've never experienced before. But right now... As your pastor, I declare and I speak over this church, it is gone in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. That the same God who sent his son, who dwelt through the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, is now here, has come, and we get to celebrate it this Christmas season. For he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. And his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us, and he is here to deliver us and to help us to overcome the fears, the anxieties, the struggles of this earthly life. See, we have stopped coming to church because I believe that the church isn't moving forward in one body. We're not able to embrace true faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Therefore, the church can't move forward. See, we should be filling up the seats. We should be evangelizing. We should take every moment we can to exalt the name of Christ. For life is but a vapor. You're here today and gone tomorrow. And if Jesus is your very breath, then you need to breathe and you need to make everything about him. And every circumstance that you're going through can be about him. I know that in my own life, 
what I have faced and the struggles I've gone through just this year where I needed to really surrender, transfer it, and give it back to God. So let's read in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And here, now, we're going to kind of look at this a little different. Hopefully I'll be able to narrate it a little bit. I'll give you a few points and we'll be done. We'll be able to be encouraged as we walk out of this place today. But I want you to start thinking right now. All right, I have a giant. What does that giant look like? And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me, reveal it to me, and deliver me from this here today. Now, did you all just want to come to church or do you want to be the church? You want to be the church? Give me a wave. We want to be the body of believers. We want to be the children of the Most High God. We want to not have a no longer victim mentality and have more of a victor mentality. We no longer need to be a whiner. We need to be a what? A winner. Because we have favor. We are children of the Most High God. Don't sit back and say it's up to him. It's up to her. It's up to them to present the gospel. We need freed. Do you want to be freed? So let me pray with you. Jesus, we come before you this morning. And we thank you that, Lord, we can have freedom in Jesus Christ. And God, today as we face our giants, as we look at this skit, as as we look at really, you know, the, uh, the demonstration of what it looks like to have to be tempted from the prince and the power of the air but not of this world and so god we pull down those strongholds and we bind satan in the name of jesus and we don't give him power and authority over money over alcohol or pills over sexual immorality we don't give power and authority over our pride And Father, I know we lose sight, but Lord, we give power and authority. We transfer that back to you. For Father, we know that you have all power, all authority. And so Father, we remove the shame. We remove the guilt. And we ask, Father God, that you will help us, strengthen us. And as we move forward in this earthly life, We're just here for a few moments and a few days until you rapture the church home. Let us move forward. Let us celebrate uh, Jesus who who came, who died, who rose the third day, who now sits on the right hand of the Father, who gives us the power and authority to sit there with you and to worship you and to, to receive the benefits of power and authority that you have transferred to your church your bride. So Father, today you are the head and we are the body. And Father, we will do what you ask us to do. So God, forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Father, we ask today that right now those points of reference, the sins, the struggles that those in your church, your bride are facing today. Father, may You free them from them, heal them from it, deliver them from it. In Jesus' name we pray. Hide me behind the cross. Put me in the shadow of the cross. And Lord, I I want you to just speak through me today. Lord, I thank you. Lord, it's always great to be back into your sanctuary, your church. Lord, I exalt your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sukkot, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Sukkot and Ezekiah and Epis Damum. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. 
and he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and a shield bearer, which is an armor bearer, went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and the Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Woo! Right there. They were not just fearful, they were greatly afraid. Now watch this whole narrative. Watch this start to play out in the scriptures. Now David was the son of the Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah. Isn't that wonderful? Bethlehem, meaning the house of bread. Jesus becomes the what? The bread of life. So we see right there, girl there's favor up in there i'm feeling the favor man you have favor as well and i think we fail to realize that we have favor and if you look into the scriptures and we'll get into that through all of the 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 fun festivities of december but as we get into that you'll start to see what starts to take place in our life because of jesus christ so we see that from Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons, and the man was old, advanced in years, in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to Abinadab, and the third, Shema. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Then Jesse said to his son, David, take now for your brothers an ephah of this dry grain and these 10 loaves and run to your brothers at the camp. He didn't say walk. He didn't say, go grab a mule. He said, run to your brothers. Run. Now watch. It's all going to unfold here, right? And carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand. And see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they all had, all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in a battle, had drawn up in battle array army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion. Yeah, whatever. We know who the champion is. But they call him out by name, the Philistine of Gath. Goliath by name coming up from the armies of the Philistines and he spoke according to the same words So David heard them and all the men of Israel when they saw the man Fled from him and were dreadfully afraid Dreadfully afraid now i'm going to pause right there. We're at verse 24 See the details now. Do you guys have you noticed? They talk about his height the breadth his helmet, his spear. How many loaves did David need to take? He didn't walk. He didn't gallop. He ran. Do you see all the details? Do you know that this chapter and this book is one of the most detailed books of the whole Bible? Did you know that? It talks more about statistics in here. You know why? Because I believe that God did not want any of us to miss one jot or one tittle. 
That means cross the T and dot the I. That's a little King James Version coming out in me. And so he was trying to tell you that each and every one of us need to really, really be mindful of what is taking place. Now, as we move forward in the next few verses, which is actually like 25, 26, and then you'll start to see even all of the details play out, right? And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were what? dreadfully afraid so the men of israel said have you seen this man who has come up surely he has come up to defy israel and it shall be that the man who kills him the king will enrich with great riches will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in israel then david spoke to the man who stood by him saying what shall be done for the man who kills this philistine and takes away the reproach from israel Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Do you like it coming from a teenager? I just, you know what? When you first get saved and you're first born again, there's nothing greater. You're so on fire for Jesus. You want to tell the ants. You want to tell the groundhogs that live underneath your shed. You want to tell every crawling creature everything about Jesus. And then we become so, you know, intelligent and mature And then we stop telling people about Jesus because some pastor or some deacon or some person in the church hurt the feelings of somebody. Well, wake up, church. It's going to happen. Because the last time I checked, we're all sinners saved by God's grace. And we're all going to disappoint one another. But there has to be forgiveness because he forgives us. We need to forgive others. So we've got to be careful. And so I'm going on down down to a tangent here. So uh, so we'll, we'll move forward in verse 28. Now... Eli, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eli's anger was aroused against David, and he said, why do you even come? I had to put the word even in there. Why do you have to come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what, I, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now, this is interesting to me. Why don't we have faith in other people? Our own family will discourage us. Our own family will disappoint us. Those that are around us will beat us up and knock us down and drag us around. And his own brother was discouraging him. You know what that's called? It's a J word. He was jealous. Why? Because you'll see in a minute. Because everything that David did with his bare hands, he didn't do. He said, because I will do it through the living God, through the power of the living God. Faith is practiced out in David's life, and we're to, we're to be encouraged by it, right? And, uh, and so we can, center, we, can, we can continue. Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported to them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth. You're but just a child, and and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its spirit and struck him and killed him. I want to be tough like that 15-year-old. Just grabbed a hold of him, struck him, and knocked him down. I like that movie Gladiator. That's kind of how I kind of picture this whole thing playing out. I don't know if you've ever seen Gladiator, but I love that. I just want to be, I told Becky, I said, back in my old life, I was like that barbaric gladiator. <laughs> then I just sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I will defy the odds of that bear. (laughs) Thank you, daughter. So we continue. But here's what he said. Your servant has killed. Why, my 
peanut gallery over there. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like the one of them, seeing as defied the armies of the living God. The armies of the living God. Wow. Don't you just love, I just love the word. I just love how he says it here. So moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion. Oh, wait, what just happened? Back to 37. Go to 37. There we go. Thank you. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. That little Lord, the big Lord. Isn't that awesome? Let's look at the scripture. All of the details that are right here and what God is doing in the life of this man. I know, Pastor, I've heard this message so many times I could probably tell you a little bit about it. I know, me too, but I believe that this is what God wants for our church today. So here's what it says. So Saul clothed David with his armor and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag and in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near unto this Philistine, right? So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. Isn't it funny when we're faced with some of our giants, when it starts to come at us, we get frightened. We become very afraid. Listen, Jesus, who has more power, who has more authority, can defy anything that Satan tries to throw at you or come at you with. Do you believe that, church? We've got to live it out. We've got to move forward. And so when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth. What he was saying is that, oh, you're just a ruddy little good-looking dude. You're you're not going to do anything. Look who you are. You know what? I'm just, uh, this, this is kind of hysterical to me. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I'm here to tell you, Goliath, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give you the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air, the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save the sword, with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. So it was. When the Philistines arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistines. This is unbelievable. You know why? I call it unbelievable. Hike my pants back up there. You know why this is so amazing to me? (laughs) This is amazing to me because we have a tendency to run from our giants. We never feel the strength and the power and the authority to face our fears head on. But here's what he said. But the Lord of hosts, not just Lord, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of many, the Lord of all things. When Jesus was born in a manger, It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it said there was an angel of the heavenly, of the heavenly, wow. Can you imagine 
Who do you think you are, Goliath? Do you know who I am? I'm a big deal. He didn't go to him with pride. He went under the authority and power of the living God. He went under the anointing. He went under the covering. He went to defy the odds that so many people were afraid of. And he had a valley that was there that separated him from really facing his giant like most of us do. We look across and say, this is too difficult. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. But watch the God of detail. Right? So the God of detail says, Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. And he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. Now, when I say this, I want you to kind of just picture something, if you will. Here is David being ridiculed by his brothers and remember in the scriptures because it was it was it said it there and all the others believed and ridiculed him as well what are you doing here little dude and he says i am here because i have a job to do because i walk in the anointing i walk in the spirit but look at this picture David goes towards the Philistine, but who's behind him? The Lord of hosts. Can you imagine, what did that look like? What did that army look like as everyone was watching, as everyone was sitting back and viewing from the grandstands? David had the Lord of hosts. Defying one of the greatest giants of all times. So it says that he fell to the earth. And as we conclude in this text here, we're in verse 49 going into 50, it says, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now, the men of Israel and Judah rose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Sharem, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. And so I'm going to just stop right there. And I'm going to have to finish this message next week. But as I conclude and as I, as I wind down the introduction of this message, I'm going to ask you an important question. Maybe for some of us, some of the giants that we face, they might be emotional. They might be physical. They might be spiritual. There's all types of things that for many of us maybe we're facing. But I want to encourage our church to do this. Practice Ephesians chapter 6 to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the ways, the schemes, the scams of the devil, of the giant. Dealing with fear is one of the things that I think all of us can say that we work through and we deal with. We deal with anxiety. We deal with what is someone going to say. Our image is so important. Our attitude is important. But I believe that David defied all of the odds because here's what he did. He didn't take what somebody had to say about him. He rebuked it and said, get behind me, Satan. See, he took authority over his brother. 
he took authority over what all the other soldiers were saying. And he said, listen, I know King Saul and I honor you and your position, but your helmet is kind of crooked on me because I have just a little tiny head and your sword's way too heavy. What do you think I'm going to do with this? He'll probably grab the sword because I'm dragging it out to the battlefield. But when you look in our life, if we put our faith and trust in God, and we know that we can do all things through Christ that gives us the strength, and that nothing, nothing, nothing is too big for God, that God can truly change our circumstances for His good, and yet for ours as well. So we see in this, in this text, and I didn't think that it would take as long as it is, but I'm not going to apologize for that. But I want you to know that whatever stronghold is in your life, whatever you're going through, I want you to pull it down. I want you to bind it. And I want you to say, God, I have been dealing with this and I'm sick of it. And I am right now through the power of the living God, through Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who is eternal. I'm going to right here today. I'm giving it to you. I'm letting go of it. Maybe you're dealing with anger. Maybe you're dealing with sarcasm. Maybe you're dealing with profanity. Maybe in your Christian life and Christian walk has been kind of pathetic. I think we've all been there. Maybe you're dealing with doubt. Maybe you're dealing with unbelief. I believe that David, as he was running, listen, running to the Philistine. He ran to where he was going because he had the Lord of hosts with him. He knew he could fight this battle. He could, we can't do anything alone, but we can do all things through Christ. Now, Pastor, how does one do that? How do we pull down that stronghold? It says, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. We bind and we loose. We bind and we loose. Loose means if you're tied up, if you're chained, you let go of it. And then you're free from it. But now you have to practice and put your faith to the test. That's difficult. That's difficult for all of us. That doesn't mean you walk back out of the building after you just slew your giant, after you just slained him and cut off its head. Is that a word? Slained him? It is. <laughs> Whatever that word is, we're taking power and authority over it. Now, how about this? Maybe you've been gossiping. Maybe that's your giant. Maybe you've been allowing negativity to filter your mind. Church, I want to encourage you to move together in oneness. Move together in unity. You know what I love when I sit over here and watch the everything skit and I can turn around and everybody's clapping? We're clapping because there's victory, victory, wonder-working power, victory in Jesus. And when we see it kind of played out before us, we get to see that there is true victory. Now, I'm living proof of that. I'm going to share this story with you and I'm going to close. Because fear sometimes has a real strong uh, influence in my life. I have to say, you know what? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I have to tell myself Psalms 23 all the time. But my wife and I were walking into the condo down there in Hilton Head, and I looked to my right and I saw this gentleman who looked like he was a stroke victim. And as I looked at him, I thought to myself, Wow, I remember what that was like as his hand was somewhat, you know, crippled and he was kind of moving like this and his wife was helping him as they were walking. A very young guy. I mean, very, very young. Very, very young. He was 52. Very, very young. I know that because we had a talk. That's right. Come on, preach it. So, as I'm walking in, I opened up the door for him. And the Holy Spirit said, pray with him. I said, how about no? <laughs> no! Nada! This is awkward. 
And I remembered walking in that elevator. And I remember looking at Becky and said I was supposed to pray with him. And I said no. So I took a deep breath. And I do what we all do. And I said, all right, God, if I see him again. So I will pray with him. So we went a couple days and I said, uh, all right, back. I haven't seen him. Went out on the balcony. I would do a little left, a little right. Oh, they must have left. I mean, what is he going to think when I walk up to him and go, hey, get up. I know what you're going through. Like, dude, are you nosy or something? You know, all this stuff started flooding my brain because that's what our giant does. He gets in your head, and once he gets in your head, he takes residence because we give him precedence in our life. And we've got to put that behind us. And if not, then he ends up getting full control of our life. So we're walking back from the pool on this gorgeous, sunny, 67-degree day in Hilton Head, South Carolina. I'm like, you guys had as nice weather as we did down there. So anyhow... I'm in my shorts, and I, I didn't put my, my shirt on, and, uh, but I had this towel over me, and I look straight ahead, and here they come. Now, the reason why I just gave you that story was because I started talking to the Holy Spirit. He goes, there they are. Go ahead and pray with him. I said, I'm naked right now. I'm not praying with this guy. They're going to think, this dude is weird. He's got trunks on, flip-flops, showing off his massive muscular body. Yeah. That's not true. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, honey. That's my wife for you. So then I just said, you know what? I looked at Becky. I said, Becky, I've got to pray with these men, with this man and his wife. So they were walking. I walked up to him. I said, excuse me. He's like, yeah. And I said, uh, I have a question. Did you have a stroke? And he said, no. Now, my wife had discernment, and she said, I don't believe he had a stroke. I believe it was probably from an accident or something. And I am saying this publicly in front of everybody. She was right. This time. Now, let me get really to the story, and then, and then we'll all go home. And then, um, so I looked at him. I said, what happened? He said, well, now get this. I used to water ski. So he water skied and he tricked and he slalomed and those are a lot of the same things I did and he knew, so I was able to relate to him and I said, well, I'm a pastor up, you know, I wanted to let him know I was a pastor up in Talmadge, Akron, Ohio before he thought, why is this guy talking to me in his swimming trunks? This is a little bizarre. And, uh, but I said, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Are you open for me to pray over you? And he said, yes. Right then my heart that was going, Boom. Went. And when I looked down, I saw his wristband. And it said, you know, hashtag pray Lewis Strong, which is his last name. His name is Steve. And he said, when I had my accident, I was just out there skiing like anybody would water ski. I've done it many times. I've always been athletic, uh, very active in our community, was a coach. And he said, um, the unfortunate thing is when I fell, it snapped my vertebrae and they said I would never walk again. And right then as I'm looking at him, I said, and they said, what? He said, they said I would never walk again. And I said, okay, you didn't believe that, did you? And he said, no, that's why I'm walking today. He said, the doctor was so uncertain by everything that was going on. He said it was just kind of took him by surprise. I said, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to now declare healing, mobility, and we're going to start praying Jesus over you right now. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you a believer? He said, yes. I said, do you believe that right now he could start even giving you more movement, more ability to do things, get you back to where you used to be? He said, yes. I said, all right, here's what we're going to do for the guy that's in his swimming trunks and no shirt on. We're going to lay hands on you. I didn't say that, but I thought it. Bizarre. And so, because I'll tell you why. Because, again, 
We're always taught, you know, there's this big thing. You're supposed to look like this as a pastor, act like this as a pastor. No, let me tell you all this. I'm just supposed to be a representative of Jesus, not a pastor. I'm his child. It doesn't matter what role we have. We all have a responsibility. So when they told me the story and his wife interjected and and so forth, I then reached out and I put my hand on him. And I said, here's what we're going to do. And I said, as I pray this, I'm going to declare this over your life. Through the mighty, powerful name of Jesus, you're going to do things you've never done before. You're going to leave buildings in a single bound. I mean, I, I really did say all that. And I said, you're going to get your life back in order. And we're going to believe that Jesus can do that. Now, remember, that was the same guy that saw him in the front of the condo. That was the same guy that was looking out over the balcony. That was the same anxiety and fear. That was the same guy that was walking back from the pool, looking straight ahead and said, Oh, no, this can't be happening. There he is. Nope, not today. Was the same God that says, Stop it, Todd. Let go of your fear. Let go of your anxiety. Get your act together. It's not about you. It's about me. And today we're going to do something in this man's life. So I started praying over him. The reason why I tell you this is when we were done, I wished them well, never saw them again. Never saw them again. That wasn't coincidental. That's because the Holy Spirit said you're to pray for this man right here, right now. You know why? Because I believe that his faith needed to be increased. I believe that he needed to know that God saw him as value. That he wasn't just one. He wasn't just a little David, just one little dude. He was one man that the whole community is watching. His wife said she's part of the school board. She's the director of the athletic booster club. They're this, they're that, they're all kinds of things. Wouldn't it be great for God to be exalted and glorified and praised because healing starts to take place? And this man's like, I met this guy, not Todd, God. And I met Jesus on the road of the sidewalk. That's what God wants us to do in our lives. Take our faith and put it to practice. Do you receive that this morning? And will you do that in your walk? Because faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Pull down the strongholds, get rid of all the baggage that you've been carrying around, and face your giants head on. Next week, come back, because I'm going to give you four great points that will help you to be able to face those giants and then to run in victory and to be a champion of love. Amen? Let's rise to our feet as we pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we continue to pray for Stephen. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because I want our church, our community, to uplift this man so that he can find healing, that his words can be used to inspire many. God, I don't know who he is. But I know that you placed this man, this David, who was maybe struggling in his own faith. I don't know. But God, I do know this, that Lord, many of us need to look at the people around us and be an encouragement, not a discouragement. To uplift them, not pull them down. To empower them, to declare faith, healing and anointing upon their life. So, Father, today, in this sanctuary, you've already started doing your work. You did it from the minute they walked in the sanctuary, throughout the whole service, and to this moment, right here, right now, where we make this personal, where we make this real. God, we know what it's like to have to to deal with the tribulations of this earth. But, God, we give it to you, and we release it, We transfer it, and God, we face all of this head on, knowing that you're greater than he that is in this world, that you're greater than any arrows or influence that might come at us. Father, right now in this room, you're working and you're ministering. I want that individual or those persons, plural, to move and to not just sit there I want them free from the bondage of sin I want them free from the giants that have been hunting them day after day after day and God I know that through your son Jesus and through the Holy Spirit deliverance can come here this morning 
right here, right now. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you feel that the Holy Spirit has been moving within you, you feel like he spoke to you this morning, I want to see your hand. Can you lift it up? Amen. Hallelujah. And if that is the case, now I want you to do something. Every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to come down and stand right around this altar. Come on, move right out of your seat. Come on, let, let, let the Lord do a work. Let him move within your life. Come on now. It wasn't by accident. It was divine intervention. It was the power of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. You come and you be released from whatever he's been putting you through, whatever giant's been placed in your life. I want you to hit it head on, and I want you to give it to God, and I'm going to pray over your life just like I prayed over Steve's life, and God's going to do something great and miraculous. So, Father, as we come before you, I thank you for those that are here that are standing around this altar. And in the mighty name of Jesus, we uplift their giant and father we ask that even though that giant might look strong might look powerful father we come at them because of the power of the living god you said that through christ through jesus all things are possible so we bind satan and we ask that lord as we face this struggle as we face uh the giants the strongholds that are there father right now we give it to you we transfer it to you and lord we ask for an anointing to be poured out in the quiet moments of this song and as we'll close out the service lord we ask for revival we ask for this church to continue to move lord for those that didn't move without their seat maybe they just need to sit in quiet solitude right in their seat maybe they need to just stop where they're at and and maybe turn their focus towards those that are facing the goliaths of their life God, we ask for for your power. We ask for your authority. And Lord, you already gave it to us through your word. You told us that we have that power. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we ask for deliverance and healing. And we ask, Father, that you will do a work right now, right now, in the name of Jesus. So Father, we uplift your holy name. We thank you, Lord, for for your power. We thank you for uh, your son, Jesus. We thank you for the resurrection power. And, Father, we thank you that we don't have to just come to church and act like church. Father, we want to be the church. We want to be a community that's on fire. We want to be on a community that has, you know, five stones and, and a slingshot. And we, want to, we want to face the adversity that comes our way because, Father, we don't have to fear what's before us. That, Father, we know that you are with us. And so, Lord, we thank you that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, that you walk with us and talk with us. And you have our name written in the the lamb's book of life so father god we just praise your holy name lord as we sing this song and as they quietly go back to their seats or take a moment to pray lord we thank you for this morning thank you for your sweet sweet spirit thank you for your presence thank you for your love thank you father for for the power that you give us as we live our life for you in jesus name amen